Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we're continuing our uh, third part of Dr. Mitch Stokes' book, uh, How to Be an Atheist, Why Many, or How Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical Enough. And uh, we're getting to the, the really fun part, which uh, is the morality part. Yeah. And so we get to <laughs> accuse uh, people of, of not being consistent within their moral philosophy. And as we'll see in this chapter that we're covering today, that uh, that kind of rubs people the wrong way. So um, that's uh, that's where we're at. And uh, and then we'll uh, continue on uh, with um, what uh, Dr. Stoke is saying uh, through the rest of the book. This is kind of setting the groundwork of this is what we're not saying, but at the same time, uh, this is also what we're saying, but then we'll continue on from there. Right. So he starts this off, uh, the name of the chapter, some bush clearing. And, uh, he, you know, the uh, subtitle here is taking offense. He says, we tend to be a little sensitive when it comes to subjects we care deeply about. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's only natural that we take debates about morality to heart, but our feelings can get in the way of serious and sober discussion. And so he quotes Senate Armstrong here, uh, who is, has, uh, is, was in a debate with William Lane Craig, mm -hmm. and Armstrong is complaining that Craig, I guess, is, um, is being insulting and insensitive yeah. to him when Craig questions the foundation of his morals. Mm -hmm. Right. He's saying um, my previous book on religion was a debate with William Lane Craig, a prominent evangelical who also abuses atheists in his opening uh, statement. Craig, on the on the atheistic view, there is nothing really wrong with your raping someone. Of course, Senator Armstrong doesn't like that. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and so he says the point for now is that it's insulting. So Craig insulted him. Now, Craig said, based on your view, on your the foundation of your view, there's nothing wrong with that, mm -hmm. right? He's not saying uh, Senator Armstrong likes that or yeah. agrees with that. Yeah. Or right? does so. Or yeah. does it, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. yeah, he calls it, you know, libelous, which is a legal term where you can sue people for defamation of character. Yeah, yeah. But, so uh, he also talks about Paul Kurtz uh, and he, his complaint uh, about uh, <laughs> Dr. Craig. And so his conclusion here is um, um, is that there's a confusion, right? right? right. There's a confusion here, uh, and it's thinking that questioning a person's ethical grounds, right, their ethical foundations is ipso facto questioning that person's moral character. Right. Right. So when we when we say, um, you know, by what standard do you say that uh, rape is wrong, murder is wrong, lying is wrong, or by what standard uh, would you say uh, being faithful to your wife is good or, uh, you know, um, taking care of your children is a, a virtuous thing? What we're not saying is atheists can't do those things. Therefore, Christianity is superior because it gives us the ability to do so. Well, no, that's not what we're saying. In fact, right. even within the Christian worldview, too, uh, you know, while while things may be be viewed as as virtuous to us and still sinful in in God's eyes, that you know, all all the unrighteous good deeds are like filthy rags. There's still uh, a consciousness within uh, people, as Romans two talks about, that uh, that they try to adhere to, but still fail even within that. Uh, but we're also made in the image of God, in that we share this kind of uh, heralding um, proclamation that God is real uh, within our own makeup as uh, creatures of God, uh, as, as in fact not just creatures of God, but as human beings of God specifically. Uh, no other creature has that, and so we're not saying that. 
atheists don't have the ability to do so. We seem to be talking past each other if that's if that's where we're getting at. Right, right. And this is a really important mm-hmm. point, right? Yes, because very much so. so we're not questioning the moral character of anybody when we ask about the foundation mm-hmm. of their, you know, of their moral beliefs. We're asking, okay, why do you believe that that's wrong? Right. Right. And uh, and so that's what we're trying to get at. We're trying to we're trying to get at the. the so this is kind of a worldview type of presuppositional, you know, type of question, right? Where you say you have the, the, does your worldview allow for a particular position, mm-hmm. right? And then so 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 this uh, so this character questioning is not is uh, uh, what's happening, right? We're questioning the foundation of their morals. Yep, and uh, so the, the the question is uh, uh, to consider is if there is no God, why? Why be good? Why uh, do what is right? Why we shouldn't be bad? Why we should uh, do certain things? Why we shouldn't do certain things? There's uh, both positive and negative within um, all moral foundation, really. And um, uh, Dawkins seems to to uh, take a challenge to that and, sa- and his reply to Christians when he, or religious people when he, when he gets asked this is, do you really mean to tell me that the only reason you try to be good is to gain God's approval and reward or to avoid his disapproval and punishment? What he usually says after that is everyone should avoid this person because, you know, they're, they're a, a thought process away from killing us all, <laughs> which again, he then falls into this, the same pattern of saying, well, if you don't have this, then you'll just do whatever moral, you know, uh, immoral thing yeah, that comes, yeah. comes uh, amoral, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, the, it goes on to uh, to talk about the believer looks like uh, we're questioning the atheist's motivation for behaving, asking why the unbeliever would even want to take that action. Um, th- there, there might be some truth to this, he says, uh, but it isn't. Uh, the, the most foundational, strictly speaking, isn't why be moral, but rather, are there any objective moral standards at all? That's what we're really asking. Mm-hmm. Of yes, uh, again, the, we 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 can ask the question: Why be moral? Uh, why should we do good things? And we can get into kind of the ethics of that. You know, especially uh, when we're covering specific, you know, hard uh, details that the the world is, especially now, like you know, abortion and and you know, without kind of an objective standard, you know, you kind of just make your point for whatever side you want, and hopefully you convince somebody of that, and that's kind of where you're at. But if there's objective moral standards, which is the real big question we should be asking. Then we can appeal to that and say abortion is wrong because or abortion is right because, because right. or in certain instances this or in certain instances that. Right. So that there's there's definitely um, uh, a foundational question that we ultimately should be asking. And also, too, that would probably help us stop talking past each other. And right. we don't have to we, we can kind of go based off of as what we talked about in uh, Dr. Lyle's interview is not always just say by what standard it, there there's a, a, an attempt to get that person to think deeper about what they're actually saying. Right. Yeah. So this idea of objective moral standards is the idea of standards that exist independent of our opinions, our beliefs, right. our feelings, right. that sort of thing. They yeah. are objective. Like, right. for instance, uh, the highest mountain uh, above sea level on the planet is Mount Everest. Notice it is objectively the highest mountain. Mm-hmm. So what if I don't believe that? 
doesn't change a thing. <laughs> right, right? Right. Well, you know, what if my culture or society still doesn't, it is objectively true. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here, it's true independent of what I believe, what my opinions is, and that sort of thing. Can we have a morality that is like that, mm-hmm. that is objective, right? right? And so when you have uh, atheists or, or people do, who don't have a, a, a faith-based system in a god or gods, um, they kind of have to appeal to kind of the universe uh, giving us that. In fact, um, part of uh, um, uh, the God delusion that Dawkins writes about, he talks about even religion being giving us um, a, a, a part of what nature gives us, which is a moral character, not to kill each other so that we can work uh, progressively and uh, cooperationally to achieve survival in a group setting. And so we're, we don't kill each other because we're designed to be social, uh, except when we are. Uh, I mean, you know, you can always pick apart the the detail, and and there's good fodder for that. But again, and he's uh, gonna he's gonna come to that. I think that's the next. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. he'll he'll definitely cover that. But it's it's um it's a question of uh where is the objective standard? Is it in nature? Is it ingrained in us because of evolution, or does it exist in God's character and His declaration to us? tells us by by what standard we should live by and the things that we do and shouldn't do. And as the lawgiver, we should uh, follow the law or there are consequences. So, right. yeah. that. so the question, uh, the, the most pressing question isn't why atheists should be moral, uh, though that's not, not entirely irrelevant, uh, Dr. So says. The real question is whether naturalism can support or account for moral standards themselves, which is kind of what we were talking about right now. Right, yeah. So notice what he's saying. The question, we're not questioning the atheist's uh, character, their actions, their motivations, right? We're not saying if there is no God, then no one can behave morally. That's right. not what we're saying. We're not saying if there is no God, then no one has any motivation to behave morally, right? What we're saying is if there is no God— or at least he's he's not saying it directly, but he's getting at it, right? Objective moral standards, those that are independent of us, do not exist, right? Right. So we're not questioning the atheist's motivations and that their character and actions and that sort of thing. Which and is, so that yeah. is a, a confusion that happens when you begin to ask fundamental questions about their fundamental, mm-hmm. the basis of their fundamental beliefs. Which is where, like, postmodernist philosophers and thinkers and um, uh, social Darwinists come in and say, you know, well, here's this culture and it says this, which if, if you are going to take this naturalism true, uh, that might be the case. Uh, my my tribe might have evolved certain traits that uh, have made me a warring nation. And so uh, we conquer and expand, but then uh, we sh- shut those uh, things off so that uh, once you've expanded far enough, you're not warring with yourself. Or there's other ones who have you know, uh, developed a um, uh, polyamorous uh, system and um, have uh, expanded that way. And so uh, kind of what's true for one culture isn't true for another. And that's where you would derive your basis by um, naturalism supporting an account of that moral standard. So postmodernist says uh, almost kind of in, in a... Um, in a consistent manner that if we kind of believe that there are these people groups around the world, it's more likely than not that they're going to form not universal concepts of right and wrong, although that might be the case because we're all human beings, uh, but because of, you know, weather or uh, resources or 
uh, um, proximity to other uh, nation states or tribes, um, they would form different uh, uh, positive and negative moral standards within uh, their DNA structure that they pass on. I, again, social Darwinism to me is is, is a hard hard pill to swallow. Still. Yeah. So uh, the next section here, he talks about more um, question begging, right? And so he he says here, um, he tries to explain why this confusion arises when you begin to question the moral folks, the atheist moral foundation, right? He says, we can easily get sidetracked and largely because our moral beliefs are so deeply ingrained. Right. In other words, uh, you know, why are they angry? Why are they saying you're, you know, you're talking about how I'm going to act, my motivation, my character? He says we have. Uh, he gives us two reasons here. He says we have a uh, such a powerful sense of objective right and wrong that we often can't imagine alternatives. Right. So, right. so they get angry when you question this because it seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. It seems so obvious that something is right and something is wrong. We have a powerful sense, he says, of right and wrong. And secondly, he says, added to this is the fact that most people share our beliefs about morality. Mm-hmm. We all view the, the morality the same way. And so it seems like we're questioning questioning them right, mm-hmm. when we're asking the question about their moral foundation, right? Uh, and so he says philosophers make this mistake, right, uh, as well. He quotes here Kai Nielsen, uh, who was a famous um, uh, Canadian ethicist. He, uh, so this is a, a rather lengthy quote, but I think it's interesting here that we should, we should, uh, we should take a look at it yeah. here. Torturing human beings is vile. Exploiting and degrading human beings is thorough and thorough uh, evil. Cruelty uh, to human beings and animals is morally speaking unacceptable. And treating one's promises lightly or being careless about the truth is wrong. If we know if we know anything to be wrong, <laughs> we know these things to be wrong, and they would be wrong and just as wrong in a godless world and in a world in which pers- personal annihilation is inevitable as in a world with God and in which there is mm-hmm. eternal life. Yeah. So we know right. these things are right. wrong. And and j- just like how uh, we we looked at our, our last section of of uh, Krauss and Hawking and other people, the scientists trying to say, well, you can believe in God if you want, but in a world of science, we've kind of have no need for God. And so throw them out. So here he's attempting to do the same of right or wrong. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not believe in God. This is all true because we know we, it. we know it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the whole. So the question thing. is, and why is the question begging? Because that's the question right, we're asking. Right. How? Do we know? Mm-hmm. How do we know it? Right. right? Why do we know that that's wrong? Right. And he does just to say we know it isn't answering the question, right? right? And, and <laughs> uh, uh, we were talking before the show. Uh, you can come up with a number of defeaters for, for these. Torturing human beings is vile. Well, according to who? You know, yeah, we've all uh, watched uh, Twenty Four, where Jack Bauer, you know, <laughs> pretends to torture the terrorist family and and pretends to kill them and um, extracts information of where the bomb is so that the president b- doesn't blow up or whatever it might be, <laughs> or uh, you know, cruelty to animals. Uh, but by by what sense? You know, uh, again, we we vivisect uh, creatures alive uh, to to see how medication flows through them, uh, and that's kind of a, a, a torture to some people. Um, so at, at, at what point is is that 
morally speaking, unacceptable? Mm-hmm. Or are there de- defeaters for that? It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, if half the world's going to blow up, then it's okay to torture people. Right. Well, a little more than half. You yeah, gotta, a little you, more. Yeah, yeah. Fifty-one percent. Yeah, fifty-one. Yeah, tyranny of the yeah. majority, right there. <laughs> um, so yes, as Tony was saying, he he's not a- a- answering the question of. Uh, why believe this? Yeah, or what where, makes where these things wrong? Yeah, why right. are these things yeah. wrong? He is not answering mm-hmm. that question. He's, he answers it by saying, well, because we know it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> I, we can say that about anything. Yeah. Uh, we all believe in God. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that. So we could tell the atheist, uh, you you know that to be true. Yeah. And you know that because we know that. Yeah. <laughs> great. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he goes on further because uh, uh, he wants to really make this point. I think it's an interesting point. Senator Armstrong here, he says, is susceptible to the same type of mistake, right? Uh, Senator Armstrong raises the question of whether it would be wrong for you to hit someone in the face for no reason, right? Is that wrong? He concludes, as is natural, but not necessarily correct, that is indeed, it is indeed wrong. And so now here's uh, Armstrong's explanation Mm -hmm. about that, right? He says, and I'll just uh, quote his uh, quote of Senator Armstrong here. Um, The only way around this conclusion, that is that it's morally wrong for you to hit someone for no reason, is either A... To admit that everyone in the world is allowed to hit you on the nose whenever he or she feels like it, or B, to claim that you are allowed to hit others when they are not allowed to hit you. And so he says, those are your options. Now, here's the problem that he finds with those options. Ready? (laughs) He says, what's wrong with either A or B? Right? Well, here's his reply. Response A is abhorrent. Right. Response B is arbitrary. Right. Some people. So uh, that's his answer. Right. right? So, so it's abhorrent that uh, anyone, everyone in the world is allowed to hit you on the nose wherever you uh, wherever he or she feels like it. And it's also arbitrary to claim that you are allowed to hit others and they're not allowed to hit you. Yeah. So so abhorrent means I don't like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Uh, that's a good reason to base. Yeah. You yeah, know, sure. I just don't like that. Right. <laughs> so he says, uh, so he says, suppose Senator Armstrong is right. A is abhorrent and B is arbitrary. What follows? Certainly nothing substantive about the foundation of morality. Right. Look at it this way. We could find option A disagreeable or repugnant while still consistently believing that the moral nihilism uh, that moral nihilism is true, mm-hmm. right? right? We right. cannot like it and, and and just say, well, because moral nihilism is true. Mm-hmm. Right? He says our disagreeable feelings don't count much <laughs> in themselves toward the truth of moral realism one way or another, right? Similarly, the arbitrary uh, option is uh, entirely consistent with nihilism, mm-hmm. right? A denial of moral realism. So nihilism is completely compatible with and perhaps even uh, implies that our moral choices are ultimately arbitrary, right? That is grounded in mere preference. Right. 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 So in both cases, you know, these philosophers are appealing to just what um, we all know. We don't like it. Right. Good. <laughs> well, 
but again, you can always come back. Uh, you know, you should be able to hit someone because it keeps us on our toes for survival purposes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were we we've become uh, lackadaisical in our technology-ridden uh, uh, society, and we no longer fear the the thing in the grass that's the snake. And we should always be ready for it to catch it inches right. before it strikes right. us. And so, at any moment, we should not trust anybody that we're standing next to in the subway or on a bus <laughs> or you know uh, anyone can come careening down the street and plow into your car for no reason whatsoever so maybe you should do it first or yeah, yeah. stay away from these people or always be ready to you know uh, catch someone's fists before it hits so. so so the issue here is either arbitrary or um, you know abhorrent is not a good reason Correct. right uh, we must ask the question what makes these things wrong mm-hmm. what makes them wrong Right. right. That's that's the issue here. Right. And so Hume attempts to try to do that. Right. Right. Uh, we go back to Hume and, and, and you know, did, did he ever make uh, an attempt to try and explain morality? And he does. So uh, Dr. Stokes says that it's uh, it's an easy thing to do to mistake our moral sentiments, our strong feelings about that uh, we have a, a moral system for an argument in favor of the truth of the moral beliefs. So, you know, I, I really feel like killing is wrong or that we have these things that tell me, you know, freedom is good or, you know, tyranny is bad. And so I'm using my pent up, uh, you know, rocket ship internal of saying, (laughs) I really believe this. Therefore, it's true. So it's really easy to mistake those things. Uh, So Hume realized the importance of emotions for morality. In fact, uh, why does he do this? Uh, It's because he wants to apply an experimental method to ethics. Again, Hume is attempting to apply science through all areas of life. And we had his fork, and so uh, things are either observable or they're measured by relation. And so uh, how can he measure this this fact of morality? And he goes on uh, to say that... uh, uh, the only moral matters of fact he could find were facts about our moral feelings or our sentiments. So, you know, I really feel strongly about that. Oh, well, okay, you were at a zero before, and now you're at a eighty percent. So we can measure the, kind of that uh, relational. Scientifically, right. we can. Yeah, yeah, we can. We can, we can look through. We that. can put the headband on you and, <laughs> and, and get your physiological nature and. Uh, so, test and what we're lands. measuring is not the evil or the wrongness itself, but your feeling right, right, about right, the wrongness, yeah. right? Right, exactly, exactly. So um, uh, uh, he goes on to say, uh, in accord with empiricism and experimental method, he asks us to look and see. Uh, take an action, uh, take any action allowed to be uh, uh, vicious, willful murder, for instance, Examine it in all light and see if you can find the matter of fact or the real existence which you call a vice. In whichever way you take it, you find only certain passions, motives, uh, volitions, and thoughts. There is no other matter of fact in the case. The vice entirely escapes you as long as you consider the object. So we can't consider the object, uh, observe that the action is wrong only that it's a, a deliberate killing. So, uh, you know, I go up and I kill somebody. Was that right? Was that wrong? Uh, you know, well, uh, what's your feeling about it? So uh, in our society, uh, in, in, in different states even, um, you know, you have the ability to protect uh, your property. So you can watch somebody uh, stealing your car. You can go out and murder them. Well, not murder them because you're, you're, you're um, defensively killing. And so that's not vicious murder. Right. Uh, but in other states, you can't go out. Uh, you can only protect what's in your home, the castle doctrine. Right. So so humans saying, um, how do we measure it? 
right? If, right. if killing is wrong, how do we measure it? And he says, we can't measure the wrongness of it. All we can measure is our feeling about the wrongness right. of it. Right. Or right. our feeling of it, period. Right. It may the, even be the rightness of it in some instances <laughs> right. is what the point yes. you're trying to make, right? right? Uh, so <laughs> We won't mention the states. But. Well, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we, we can observe some matters of fact that this, in fact, however, turns out to merely a fact about our feelings. So, um, as, as Tony was saying. Uh, so, uh, Hume says uh, uh, about uh, lying, for example, uh, we perceive that lying is wrong. Well, okay, but why? What we perceive, what we perceive, is our feeling of wrongness. Not that it's wrong, but uh, I kind of feel like this is wrong. Our and so, feeling is what and so to what extent yeah. is that? Well, yeah. you know, uh, do I look uh, uh, good in this outfit? Mm, no. <laughs> oh, I, sh- I probably should lie a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> so there's that lie. Or you know, um, the world's going to blow up in in 22 uh, hours. Should I tell somebody if I? Don't tell anyone that seems to be a lie, and that might be uh, a, a greater impact to, to me. So I can I can take a measurement of that. So again, really, he's just saying all we well, all we have to measure right. is our feelings. Right. That's because that's all we can uh, either observe or have relation to ideas. Those are the the two prongs of of Hume's fork. That's how we know things, right? right? We either know it by by uh, observation, right? Our mm-hmm. sense perceptions, you know, our touching, feeling, tasting, whatever. Right. Or relation with ideas like mathematical mm-hmm. concepts or logic. logical mm-hmm. laws right. of concepts. Yeah. So those are the only ways that Hume that allows. And, of course, none of those work for the evilness or the wrongness of something. Mm-hmm. And so all we can measure, he says, then, is our feelings right. about it. Right. And so even if there is some, for him, some moral lawgiver, which he would probably doubt, um, since you can't measure that and he, he wants a scientific approach for for that, here's the only way in which he can do it. So Hume believed that if we take science seriously and apply it to ethics, we discover that morality is founded on nothing more than feelings or sentiments. And I think we're kind of seeing the the rooster come home to roost in in, in that these days. All morality depends upon our sentiments. Um, Science cannot support the truth of our moral beliefs, but Hume believed that science has something to contribute to morality. Uh, indeed, uh, some something surprising. He believed that his discovery was similar to that of secondary qualities. So this is kind of interesting yeah, here, yeah. right? Vice and virtue. Therefore, he compared <clears throat> things like sounds, colors, heat, and cold, which according to modern philosophy are not qualities of the object, but perceptions in the mind. So uh, if you say ice is cold, well, you know, for someone living in Florida, uh, you know, uh, uh, 56 degrees is is freezing and you need to bring up a parka jacket but here in michigan 56 is a, a nice uh you know uh, we're, we're going out in shorts to get the mail in, in the middle of in the middle of december uh sounds uh, this is too loud this is not too loud depends on or this is pleasing uh that's one of those uh, if you don't like jazz it's just a cacophony of of noise but if you appreciate jazz then you know you can <laughs> hone in on whatever jazz things you want uh, so with modern philosophy uh, are not qualities of the object, but perceptions in the mind. Uh, so And he gives us an example yeah, of color here. Right? Yeah, the astonishing fact is that color of an apple isn't in the apple, but in the person perceiving the apple. And we kind of know this, too, because people have red-green deficiencies. And so, um, you know, are you seeing red and are you sure that's the same red that I'm perceiving that you're perceiving? Yeah. And yeah. is that pleasing to you? Nice. Well, OK, what what what? You know, red's my favorite color, so an ap- a red apple is, you know, 
80% pleasing to me. And so we can measure <laughs> that. Uh, but, you know, is, is green, is red a good apple and green a bad apple? You know, how do, how do we distinguish <laughs> between types of apples? Yeah, it depends on how hungry I am at the time. <laughs> to be sure, the apple is composed of molecules of specific structure and light reflects off the right. surface. So, so an apple is an apple, right? It has right. certain molecules that make it an apple. Mm-hmm. It has the color is, uh, or the, there, it's a, we are perceiving a certain wavelength right. that's bouncing off the apple, right? right? But the color is what's going on, right? Is mm-hmm. what he's asking about, right. Here, right? It's caused by an external factors, but exists only beneath the person's skin. The color is subjective. The person is is the perceiving subject. Similarly, there are external factors that cause us our moral sentiments. But we we are the source of those sentiments, and so on Hume's view, we're the source of moral value. Morality is subjective. So, uh, you know, why why is lying wrong? Well, for me, I would say lying is wrong to me because, you know, I don't like it and I only I, it, it causes a, a, a big response to me. But maybe at the same time, maybe I'm a, a professional poker player and, you know, lying is kind of part of the game. And so if you lie to me out in the real world, you know, I'll kind of take a little offense to it, but not as much as, you know, some goody two shoe. Patrick version over in, in <laughs> Michigan who doesn't like people lying. So again, there the the subjective value of lying is is entirely inherent in the person, and 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 you know we we say oh that person's moral compass is skewed. But what we're doing is we're kind of taking a swath of society and saying, uh, you know, uh, that person uh, went out and um, murdered drug dealers, and that's wrong. But according to that person, you know, he, uh, drugs ruined his family and, and he was attempting to take out the, the source of the problem the way that he knew how to. And so uh, where's, the, where's the moral divide there? Well, in that particular instance, then you have government and society saying uh, these are factors that we will punish and, and not allow or um, uh, make laws against to tell people, hey, we, you know, here and no further. Yeah. So the point he's trying to make is um, there are uh, there are primary qualities. I think Locke, uh, John Locke, um, uh, um, the uh, political philosopher, and he uh, suggested that there are primary qualities in things, and there are secondary qualities. Right? Primary qualities like extension and that kind of stuff. Right? Uh, mass, that kind of stuff. But secondary qualities are the qualities that we as humans add mm-hmm. to to the object. Right? For instance, color. Right. And so he's trying to suggest so that comes from us. It's subjective. And he's suggesting that Hume argued the morality works the same way. It's mm-hmm. what we add to a particular maybe event. Right. And so it is subjective. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from. Right. Right. Uh, so in our everyday life, we are still res- we still respond to sound, color, smells the way we did prior to learning uh, that they're not objective out in their world. So, too, after learning something similar about morality, we couldn't help ourselves anyway. Nature is too strong. So we have this, um, it, even if we know about it, uh, that it's subjective, uh, we still we still don't really care because it's so ingrained into us. Yeah. We, we, we have this kind of revulsion to things like, you know, the first time that you see a concentration camp video and you just are revolted about what people can do to other people and, and uh, you know, the, the Holocaust Museum exists to, to kind of um, play, uh, to play on that, that type of uh, 
ick factor. And so, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, that's that's OK for me, but not uh, it was or it was not OK for me. But for the Nazis, it was fine. No, you have this kind of what what human saying is, is this ingrained nature that even if you recognize the fact that morality is subjective, you, you still can't defeat that internal sense. Right. Yeah. And so this uh, came to be known as, uh, as we were talking earlier, as uh, emotivism mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in, in ethics, where, you know, your emotions really determine uh, right and wrong, right? how you feel about uh, a particular action, that sort of thing. Uh, So uh, Hume uh, and Dr. So says, the point for now is that moral feelings, our intuitions about right and wrong, are powerful players in ethical theory, as Hume recognized. And the strength of our moral beliefs can cause us to make some pretty serious errors when it comes to reasoning about ethics. Few unbelievers have ever followed Hume to the conclusion that there's nothing more to our moral foundation than the strength of our convictions. So there must be good naturalistic reasons for thinking there's more to morality than sentiment. So... Uh, even though the people follow in the in the uh, footsteps of Hume, uh, even they say there's probably something a little bit more to that because uh, you know do, uh, the, there's kind of a, a, a term right now of you know uh, I don't care about your feelings. There's facts over feelings. <laughs> well, you know th- that's usually made in a political or uh, moral sense, and so uh, it's it's what other factors contribute other than just. I'm offended, or uh, I feel bad about this, or I feel good about this, or I feel great about this. So there's, you know, other than measuring your, your on a scale of one to ten, how happy are you? <laughs> there seems to be more to uh, declaring murder is wrong than, <laughs> than that. Yeah. And so, you know, since folks, Hume was trying to be consistent, and he right. suggested these various uh, other uh, uh, folks with regard to foundations of morality don't want to follow Hume there in terms of his consistency. They have to come up with something else, <laughs> right? And so he says, perhaps Darwinism is the key. Yeah, hey, mm-hmm. good old Darwin. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to save us. And and so I, uh, uh, one of the things that he says here is uh, uh, it it's, uh, seems that uh, atheists uh, or, or uh, uh, people that don't believe in God are uh, that Darwin allegedly allowed atheists to lead intellectually fulfilled lives. So then let's uh, let's look at uh, Darwinism and Darwinistic orthodoxy to say where where does our moral system come from? And that's that's kind of what we alluded to a little bit uh, uh, here, uh, but that'll be in the next chapter. That'll be in the next yeah. chapter. All right. Great. So, yeah. So again, uh, thanks for uh, liking our videos, sharing, subscribing. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun doing these, and uh, we uh, we hope that the the videos uh, help you and you enjoy our little book club. And um, we'll keep keep doing them until uh, we don't anymore. There you go. <laughs> so thank you, and uh, thank join you. us next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.